Hey everyone, welcome to Acts chapter 10. Thanks for sticking with us through the first nine chapters. Let's see what we can learn from the Bible today. Verses 1 and 2. Now there was a man of Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, and gave many alms to the Jewish people, and prayed to God continually. The Word of God shows us Peter's final miracle in a string of miracles uh, by first introducing a Gentile. Uh, He was a man from Caesarea. His name was Cornelius. Uh, This man was a centurion or Roman officer, and he was in charge of at least a hundred men, sometimes more or less. He was a centurion in the Italian regiment, which consisted of about 600 men. He was a godly man. He feared God, apparently followed the Jewish laws, and, and led his household to do the same. He gave tithe of his treasures, that's 10% of his income, and prayed to God basically all the time. He worshipped the true God. Now, sounds like a good religious guy, right? Now, this is important. He was close to the truth, and yet he was still lost, because he was missing the most important component, that's Jesus. Salvation requires Jesus. Without it, we're simply following a law we constantly fail at. The difference between Cornelius and many religious people of the day was that he knew he was on the right path, but it was still not enough. He knew something was missing. Many religious people of the day are happy with their quote-unquote good life, uh, their rituals, their going to church, um, and then living life for themselves. Now, we need to apply this to ourselves. Are you or I trying to live for ourselves and then add God into the mix? Or are you truly living for God and fighting against living yourself? It's two very different ways of living, two very different results. Verses 3 through 8. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw a vision, an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa, and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, He sent them to Joppa. Here we see the first preparation of the story. God was about to do a great work, and so some hearts needed to be prepared. The Gentiles would finally have the door opened to salvation, whereas before it was only allowed to the Jews. In other words, before Jesus, if a Gentile wanted to follow the truth, they would become Jewish and follow the rules in faith that God would bring the ultimate Redeemer. The first preparation was Cornelius' heart. So God allowed him to have a vision. An angel came to Cornelius about three o'clock in the afternoon. Cornelius asked him what he was to do. Lord here might have the connotation of sir. The angel mentioned that God knew he was seeking the truth through prayers and giving, and he was to send out some men to get Peter from the house of Simon the Tanner. Like a true military person, he obeyed at the first command. He brought two servants and a soldier, told them all that had happened, and sent them out. Verses 9-12 through 12. 
On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance, and he saw the sky opened up, and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures of the earth, and birds of the air. While Cornelius's men were on the way, Peter had a vision to prepare his heart. We must remember that the Jewish people had lost the mission that God had promised to Abraham to be a blessing to all nations. We see this in Genesis 12. Israel had become very ethnocentric or focused on their own culture. Basically, they felt their people needed to be saved. And if anyone wanted to be saved, that person needed to become a Jew first. If someone was not a Jew, they were considered unclean in the Jewish mentality. God would break this mentality here in this message with Peter. Peter went to the roof to pray around noon, that's the sixth hour. While he was praying and the people were preparing lunch, he got hungry and he fell into a vision from God. He saw the sky open up and a sheet with all kinds of animals came down. This means clean and unclean animals were in the sheet. Verses 13 to 16. A voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Okay, so in the vision, Peter was commanded to eat from the clean and unclean animals, This was unheard of in Jewish culture. The Jewish diet was one of the biggest distinctive acts between the Jews and Gentiles. The Jewish people followed the dietary rules of the law, while the Gentiles ate whatever. God commanded Peter to kill and eat, yet Peter politely denied eating anything from the sheet three times. Some believe his denying three times linked with his denial of Jesus and restoration by Jesus, basically saying he made himself unclean by denying three times and Jesus made him clean again. Each time, in this case, again, that Peter denied, God made his point. What God has cleansed, do not consider it unholy. If God says it is clean, it is clean. This is showing that both the Gentile and the Jew are unclean before God until Jesus comes into the picture. There's no favorite race before God. Can you think of ways that your church or country are prejudiced against others because of race, skin color, nationality, or or any other reason? Verses 17 to 24. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up. Go downstairs and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? They said, 
Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. And on the next day he got up and went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. Since God was directing this, the men came at the perfect time. Peter had been given the vision to prepare his heart, and was meditating on it. At that moment, the men came to the door of Simon the Tanner, looking for Simon Peter. The Spirit told Peter to go with the men without giving them any trouble. So, Peter went to the men, asked what they were there for, the men explained, and Peter invited them in for the night. After getting some rest, Peter, with six other men, we see that in chapter 11, verse 12, left with the servants and the soldiers to the house of Cornelius. When they arrived, Cornelius already had a crowd waiting for Peter. They all wanted to hear the truth. The group consisted of Cornelius' relatives and close friends. This Gentile was a witness to the truth before he even knew it wholly. Verses 25 to 29. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up. I too am just a man. As he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came, without even raising any objection, when I was sent for. So, I ask, for what reason you have sent for me? When Peter entered, Cornelius fell down and worshipped him. Remember, this man only knew that Peter held the truth to God. Peter, seeing the man on the floor, raised him up and told him something very important. I, too, am a man. No man except the God-man is worthy of any human's worship. We must not fear the opinion of other people because that is conforming our actions to please others. In a way, it's worshiping them. We are called also only to fear God. We are called to fall so deeply in love with God that all our lives, everything we do, say, and think is shaped by our worship to Him. Peter saw the people assembled and spoke more to Cornelius. He mentioned that for the Jew, it was unlawful to associate or even visit a Gentile because they were all considered unclean. God had prepared Peter's heart through the vision, and so he obeyed. So he asked Cornelius, why am I here? Peter had obeyed God without even knowing why he was going. Now is when he would find out that he had an opportunity to bring more people to the foot of the cross in salvation. Verses 30 to 33. Cornelius said, Four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. 
Cornelius recounted his vision to Peter and ended with saying that they were all present to hear whatever truth was going to come from this missionary. Peter had traveled to obey God by coming to Cornelius' house. Notice, we did not say Peter went to another country and there was a missionary. Uh, We are all, in a very real sense, called to be missionaries where we are. Uh, Are some called to another country and bring the gospel there? Um, I hesitate to say called, but yes, there is a sense where some people feel led to or have a desire to bring the gospel to another country country and another people. Um, Are all people? No. But all of us are called to be a witness where we are. Who do you have that you can speak to? We need to be ready and willing to speak his word to all people. It is too precious to be contained solely to ourselves. This also proves and shows, at least from a Christian's point of view, that all religions are not equal. Can some have some truth? Yes. But only Christianity is based solely on the Bible, and its truth is the truth. The only way to salvation is through that narrow path. Verses 34 and 35. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Peter now understood that he was not only to welcome the Gentiles and be friendly with them and not consider them unclean, but most importantly, he was to tell them the gospel. God is not partial or prejudiced. He does not pick favorite races. All who fear him and follow his ways are welcome to know about him. In other words, if someone truly wants the truth, they will tear apart every other option until they come to God. This is not saying that salvation is by works. Our first responsibility before God is to submit to Him by faith in Jesus and repentance from our sins. But those who truly want the truth will listen and search for it. God did not only want Jews to be saved, praise God. Rather, the gospel was free to all who would accept it. All men need a Savior. Verses 36 to 43. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. He also, I'm sorry, they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Peter gave a short summary of the life of Jesus, highlighting the important parts. He affirmed that Jesus was sent by God and was God. Jesus was also sent through the Israelites, and this affirmed he was human. The God-man came to save his universe. 
This has all occurred, had all occurred recently. He came to the scene after John the Baptist, and the disciples were witnesses of his miracles, proving he was God. There was a death on the cross and his resurrected body, and he appeared to many witnesses. Jesus ordered all his disciples to preach what they had seen in him and to all people. He had been the one the prophets had prophesied about, the ones the Old Testament people had looked forward to. He was the Messiah of the world. All who are confronted with Jesus have one of two choices. Believe in him, which brings forgiveness of sin and salvation of their souls, or come face to face with him as a judge, the judge of the living and the dead. Verses 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. While Peter was giving his message to the group of Gentiles, I'm sorry, <laughs> while Peter was giving his message, the group of Gentiles became believers and received the Holy Spirit. This amazed the Jewish group that was present. Again, God showed that the Jewish people were not the only privileged people. All that was given to the Jews was also given to the Gentiles. God used tongues again to demonstrate the validity of the Gentiles' salvation. Again, as mentioned before, these were known languages. This passage does not suggest that every new believer must speak in tongues when they receive the Holy Spirit. We see the Ethiopian eunuch did not, for example. But in time, we will all use our tongues to glorify God. Romans 10 verses 9 through 10. Seeing that they had received the Holy Spirit with their salvation, Peter ordered them to be baptized as well. This was to identify them with Christians. Remember, Christ's command was to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. And you can find that in Matthew 28, verses 17 to 20. After that, he stayed various days with them, probably discipling the family and friends in the ways of Jesus, the Messiah. When this event, I'm sorry, with this event, the expansion of the gospel to different peoples is done. The gospel has gone out to Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles. Does this mean the apostles finished the job? No. While they reached all the different people, they had not reached the ends of the world with the gospel. So while now all were under the banner of the church, the church needed to expand throughout the world. Now what does that mean for us? This same commission applies to us. How have you been? Have you been faithful in speaking of the Savior of your soul? Have you pleaded with people to get off the path they are on that leads to hell? Have you directed them to the only person that will satisfy their longings, Jesus? If you have, keep on. If not, let's get to work. Be faithful to God's call to His children. <laughs>